Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Three Crosses podcast. My name is Buzz Hannon, and I'm the pastor for young adults and families here at Three Crosses Church. I've really enjoyed putting these podcasts together for you and connecting you with some amazing guests and people all around the really all around the country that are speaking to the idea of what does it mean to understand the Shema and apply it into our lives. I know we've had some guests that are heavier on the study side, but I thought that this week it would be amazing to zoom in right into our own church community and hear from someone who, even though she may not be famous to you, is really famous to her family and to those that know her for her faithful ability to follow and love the Lord, her God, with all of her heart and soul and strength even in some circumstances that have made that incredibly difficult. I thought to myself, what would it look like to love the Lord with all of my strength when I was just out of strength, when I was in a time of weakness, in a, in a circumstance that I wasn't able to control? What does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your strength when you're just in a time of weakness? That's why I've asked this week's guest, Natalie Dean, to come on and share about her own journey, and a little bit about some of the things that she's gone through in her life and how she's seen the Lord come alongside and help and provide His grace to her. As you listen, I know that you'll be encouraged by her faithfulness and by her courage and by her persistence and perseverance. And I'm so grateful that Natalie was brave enough to share some of the details of their challenges with us. But I know there are so many all around the church and many of you who are listening that your story will never be told in such a way or has not yet been told in this format, shall we say, and that you're struggling in silence. I hope that this week is an encouragement for you, that the Lord sees, that the Lord knows, and that the Lord goes with you. I know that Natalie's testimony was such an encouragement for me, and I hope that it will be for you as well. And let's uh, listen to what she has to say. What a great day to be here uh, on the Three Crosses podcast. I'm here with Natalie Dean, a friend of mine and a Three Crosses community member. And Natalie, we made it to church today. Yay! I'm glad that uh, you're able to join me to share a little bit about your life and uh, how the Lord has showed you his grace and his mercy over these last few years. Now, are you famous here at Three Crosses? I would say not. <laughs> that's just That's just your humility. <laughs> I mean, I think anybody who's anybody knows Natalie Dean, and certainly now they're going to know who you are. But why don't you tell us a little bit about what you and your husband are involved in here around the church or how long you've been attending with us? Or um, Together, my husband and I have been here for about six years. We moved back to Castor Valley um, from the peninsula, and we were trying to find a church. And both of us had kind of been involved at Three Crosses or Neighborhood before. And um, Anybody that calls it Neighborhood to me is like... <laughs> OG, you know, like you're important, you're a long time, you know what it really is all about. Yes, the foundational church. Um, Yeah, so we came back here and I was pregnant at the time with Olivia and we started coming and um, we've just, so six years now we've been here and I, together we got involved in the children's ministry and Luke has been a little bit more involved with volunteering with check-ins and with helping out with the kids and um, just being here quite a bit on Sunday mornings. Yeah, that's great. I think our kids' ministry volunteers are true heroes. So all of our listeners I know that have kids, they always have such a great experience. And the 
energy that our volunteers give and the vision from our staff is amazing. I know my boys love being back there. Definitely. And so you said you were pregnant with Olivia, and that was many moons ago. And Yes. But you have more than Olivia now. How many kids? I have three girls. I have Olivia, who's six, and I have a set of twin girls that are three. Okay. Do you ever get your twins confused? Yes. Even though they look different, I still will call them by different names, and I think that is just the thing with having more than one kid. So we have four boys, right? And the, no, no twins. We did it, you know, the hard way, I guess. And... <laughs> I get my boys' names confused. I got Roman's name confused when we had one kid. So I don't think it has anything to do with the twins. It's just the, the, the trauma that parenting brings into your, into your brain. Yes. So twin girls are three. Olivia is six. So does it, she's going to be going into first grade next year? Yes. All right. Yes. Do you guys do homeschool for her? Or is she at school? Or? No. We uh, decided to do Chabot Elementary, which is here in Castor Valley, in public school. Um, and it was... A decision that we made um, for a couple different reasons. Um, we wanted her to be in an environment where we could be a light as a parent um, to other parents um, and being able to maybe not share our faith super openly, but be able to live as an example to other people. And um, on top of that, we just couldn't afford private school. And I don't consider myself a homeschooling mom. I don't have the patience to sit <laughs> at home and try to teach my kids um, stuff. But, um, yeah, it was a, definitely a really good experience for her for the first year. And she had a great teacher, and she loved her class and the kids in her class. So Olivia's going into first grade, and going into school, I'm sure, was an adjustment. But you guys have had several adjustments, perhaps we could say, to being parents. How was that for you, like um, deciding or discovering that you were going to have children? And um, Luke and I definitely weren't planning on having kids right away. We went back and forth on whether we wanted to have more kids, um, or not more kids, but to have a child um, in the beginning. And we were at the point where we were young, we were enjoying our jobs, we wanted to focus on our careers, and um, we were having fun. I mean, you have fun in your mid-20s, and um, we just didn't foresee kids in the next couple years, but God had other plans. I mean, Olivia was definitely a surprise for both of us, but God is good in that because I really feel like if it were up to us, we might not have kids today. So, yeah, even as a surprise, it's not like you're going to give them back, you know, like there's <laughs> no. such a joy, but it's such a, yeah. it's such a change <clears throat> that kids minister into your life. You know, your freedom is totally gone. You can't even go out to dinner without yeah, a babysitter. You know, you true. can't come to cafe four unless you want to unload all the kids seats, you know, so parenting just in general, I think is really hard. Those of us that are parents that are listening are like, yeah, that is the most obvious thing I've ever heard. And then the people without kids are like, I'm never having kids. And then, hey, you might turn out like Natalie. But for you guys, you experienced some challenges that not every parent has to go through. What were some of those? Um, after Olivia was born, we found out that she has something called cystic fibrosis, which is a genetic disorder. Um, both parents have to have a genetic mutation, um, and even with both parents having that, it, there's still uh, only a 25% chance that your child could have CF. Oh, wow. And that fell into the category for Olivia, and um, so our world was basically turned upside down because it 
wasn't something we were expecting. My pregnancy was completely normal. I, Is that something you've had a history of in your family? Or So I am a genetic carrier, a carrier of CF, and it came up on the testing when I had that done. And Luke got tested as well, but his test came back negative. So we were thinking, oh, we were in the clear. And then after Olivia was born, she had some medical complications, and we were trying to figure out what was going on with her. Um, and then just through all the symptoms that she had, we finally figured out that she had CF. And when we went back to the testing, um, it looked like they only test for 95% of the gene mutations and Olivia's, or I'm sorry, Luke's gene mutation that, um, that she has fell under the 5% that they don't test for. So it's a very edge case on this kind of corner case test. So 5%. Of these people, and then twenty five percent of those, and so she kind of, right, you know, there she was. Yeah. So, yeah. what was that like to to, to discover that going from you know normal pregnancy or no complications during pregnancy to all of a sudden, wow, we have this thing we have to deal with? Because I'm not super familiar with cystic fibrosis, but that's a that's a lifetime deal, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, it's there's no cure right now, and the life expectancy is. Um, 40 years old right now. So it was really shocking to hear that Luke and I might outlive our child. That's not normal. You don't think that when you have kids that suddenly you're old and now you don't have a child, you automatically assume that your kids are going to get older than you and you're going to have grandkids. And that wasn't the case. And I remember Luke telling me, um, shortly after we found out, he's like, all my hopes, all my dreams, all my thoughts, for her all just kind of went away because you kind of think when you have this baby in the beginning, you kind of have dreams of them going to college and them having a career and a life and getting married and all of that is kind of dashed because their future is unknown all of a sudden. Yeah. Wow. So to hear Luke say something like, man, my hopes and my dreams for her future have been dashed. Like that had to be such a difficult moment and you know, putting myself in your shoes or his shoes a little bit, I just feel like it would have been only natural to have a life filled with worry. Was that something that you guys experienced? Yeah, I think I think it hit me harder than it did Luke because I think Luke goes through moments of, okay, I'm going to go through this period of time where it's going to hit me hard, I'm going to process it, and then I'm going to just jump back on the horse and just okay, this, what do we need to do? For me, mm-hmm. I had a lot more things going through my mind. Um, I definitely, like I said before, wasn't prepared for this. And I had other friends right before me, like literally like four or five months before me have kids and all their kids were fine. And so now here I have a baby and my child's not fine. My child has medical needs. And I was... It was hard not to be mad and not to be a little bit jealous of my other friends who had kids that were totally fine. Why me? Why did I get chosen to have a child that is going to be sick, that might be hospitalized a lot, that might is probably not going to have a normal life? And how do you live with that? And how do you look at your friends and not be upset that their kids are fine? I mean, I want their kids to be fine, and I don't want them to have to go through that, but... You yourself are struggling with the idea of what's been put in your hands all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that 
you're describing a struggle between like you really do want the best for your friends' kids, but yeah. then like that little jealousy, like that's that's I don't know. I feel like that's natural and that's normal. And then like in our minds, we know like I shouldn't be jealous of my friends' kids. You know, right. the right thing to do is to be happy. But then like you're sitting there with a daily challenge of these yeah. medical needs. So what are some of the things you and Luke did to try to help get through that? Um, I think we had a lot of conversations together. I think it was a lot of sitting together and talking about it and expressing our fears, expressing our emotions. Was that pretty natural for him to be able to do, or did he have to learn those behaviors? He's, since I've known him, he's always been like, let's talk about this. Let's get through this. I was not, I struggled with that. I struggled with things internally and it was harder for me to express stuff. So he really pushed me that you can't hold on to stuff. You need to talk about it because it's just going to eat you alive. And I discovered I was a passive aggressive person, which um, probably is not the healthiest personality to have <laughs> or type of. Yeah. It's never fun to dis- discover things that you're not the best at. Is it? <laughs> he likes to bring out the best in me is how I like to see it. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I mean, that's true because I think you have to face how you actually are before you can change. You know, I don't, sometimes people say things like, oh, everything happens for a reason. I don't think that the reason that you're having this is so that you can learn about your passive aggressive nature. (laughs) You know, I just, I feel like people really mean well when they say stuff like that. And that's just not how it is. Like, I don't feel like God gave your child this condition to help you and Luke mature as people. No. Have people ever expressed that kind of a mentality to you or said like well-meaning yet really hurtful things? (laughs) Yeah. It's hard because I think people try to understand what it's like to be in your shoes and try to say helpful things, but it's, it's not unless you've actually gone through it yourself or have a child with medical conditions that you can truly understand how it changes your life and to understand, you know, why it's been allowed to have and to be in your life. And, um, so I think Luke and I just try to be very gracious with other people and because people don't know and you just, I think you just take it for what it is. I mean, how, how can they know? Yeah, exactly. So you're, you're thinking about the idea of, you know, why and how and how did God allow? Did you guys ever come to any conclusions about that? Or are you guys still in an area of mystery? Or were you? Um, I can't speak for Luke exactly, but for myself, I know that God has grown me tremendously through this whole process as a mom, as a wife, as a friend, as a daughter. I mean, this has brought me to my knees in a way that I don't think any other situation could have. Um, it, when you say to your knees, you mean an attitude of prayerfulness and reliance on definitely God? Definitely, because I I was to the point where I was given this situation and I just didn't know what to do with it. I was in, I was in denial um, of what we were going through and I didn't, I didn't want to see it for what it was because I couldn't believe that I was going through this because 10 years ago, I don't think I would have ever expected to be going through this myself. And I don't think I would have, if somebody had said like, you're going to be given a child with special needs and you're going to be taking care of this child. And then a couple of years later, you're going to have some more kids and a set of twins. And this is what you're given. And I'm like, no, I don't. I know people are thinking, oh man, about you know oldest child with CF and they forgot that you have twin girls. We'll talk about them in a minute. Right. But, you know, 
I feel like sometimes if God gave us the full picture of what he wanted for us, we'd chicken out. Yeah. You know, 10 years ago, you said you're on the peninsula building your career. You guys are happy. You're having fun. You're going out to eat dinner. Yeah. You're sleeping in on a Saturday. And the, <laughs> yes. You know, all those normal parent things are gone, and then you have these day-to-day challenges. If you wouldn't mind sharing, Natalie, would you be able to give us a little bit of a window into some of the, the time that you have to spend helping Olivia with her condition each day? Yeah. Um, like on a, when she was going to school, I was having to get her up basically at 630 in the morning to do about a 20-minute breathing treatment. And so school starts at 8. eight. And so she's up at 630. Okay. And then what do the breathing treatments entail? So it's basically a vest. And the best way to describe it is, is it it's kind of like a blood pressure cuff where it squeezes you and then shakes you. So there's a vest, it's kind of like a life jacket, and there's tubes coming out of the vest that hooks up to a machine. And so it squeezes her and vibrates her for 20 minutes. And the whole purpose of that is to get the mucus in the lungs loose, and then she's supposed to cough it up. And then as she has the machine with the vest on, she also has a nebulizer, which is a mask filled with medication in it. And so she's holding that on her face. And so she's breathing in the medication while the vest is going. So every morning she gets up for school and the vest shakes her and she hacks out a bunch of mucus. Yes. That does not sound really... (laughs) fun at all. No. How does she deal with uh, treatments? She's been doing it since she's been born. I mean, basically, we started breathing treatments from, I think, she was maybe two weeks old. It wasn't the vest. It was just the mask. But she's been pretty continually, she's been doing it every day for her whole life. So that's all she knows. Does she ever get mad at it and think, why am I not normal or anything like that? Definitely. Um, I think about the age of three was when she really started rebelling because that's the age of temper tantrums and People talk about the terrible twos, but they never had a three-year-old because the threes, you know. The threes are rough. Yeah, I have two (laughs) three-year-olds and it's it's a lot right now. (laughs) I know. We had a babysitter last night and she's like, the boys were so good, but your three-year-old, like, he's feisty. I was like... (laughs) Yes, he is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's something about that age. It's the in-between age. Yeah, but she so every day she's doing this. So you don't get to take a day off. So every day you're up at 630 pretty much regardless. She's Yeah, so she sits there and does the breathing treatments. And then every time she eats, she has to take these little pills called enzymes, which help... um, help her absorb her food. And if she doesn't take those, she starts losing weight. And uh, that's definitely not good because weight gain is really important for kids with CF. Okay, so she's got pills with each meal, breathing treatments in the morning, breathing treatments in the evening as well? Yeah, so a 20-minute breathing treatment in the morning and then a 40-minute breathing treatment in the afternoon. And then if she gets sick, then we usually add another breathing treatment kind of in the middle of the day on top of that. Does CF come with some sort of suppressed immunity so she gets sick a little bit more easily? Yeah, she has a very low immune system, so being around other kids, being around other people that are sick... Um, can be a real big problem for her. Yeah, so 20 minutes in the morning, 40 minutes in the evening, pills every dinner, and then sometimes extra. How expert are these treatments? Like, uh, is it easy for somebody to pick up and learn and do for you, or is there kind of some time that you have to invest in learning how to execute these things? It's pretty simple. Olivia can pretty much do it on her own now. She knows what buttons to push. She can get the vest on. The machine, I mean, she couldn't carry the machine herself, but, I mean, if you had it all set up for her, she's smart. She's figured it out on her own. Yeah, kids are kids are pretty smart. Yeah. But, but it's pretty much up to you and Luke to make sure that it's done every We're day. We're the only know? ones that are making sure that she stays healthy. Yeah, there's no punch out, you know, 
tap mm-hmm. out, tag a new team member in. You guys yeah. are in it each yeah. and each and every day. You know? I think about how hard it is to get my kids up and ready for school. Pretty hard, you know. Yeah. Hard to get my own self up, and then to think about you know medical treatment in the morning on top of all the normal things. Yeah. You know, did that play into your decision to do public school or a home school at all? Like I can say, well, it might be easier just to keep her at home because we have to do all these medical things. But yet you're telling us you wanted to get into the school system and be a light. But did her condition, how did that play into the decision making process? Uh, we definitely, I thought about homeschooling for a minute because I was looking at how much time it was going to take me to be doing these breathing treatments and trying to get her to school because I was the one having to do her breathing treatments, getting myself and the twins dressed and all of us out the door. Even though we live close, it's still a lot of work. And um, yeah. But honestly, when it came down to it and when my husband and I talked about it, we didn't want Olivia to feel like we were taking her away from something. I mean, already she's having to give up playtime and um, time away from friends because she has to sit for 40 minutes to do a breathing treatment. So we want her to feel like she's as quote unquote normal as possible. And so being able to put her in a school environment with other kids, just trying to give her the feel of you know, she's just like everybody else. Um, she does have this extra thing, but we don't want CF to define who she is because yeah. Luke and I talked about it. If one day they find a cure for her, we don't want her to feel lost because we don't want her to feel like CF is all she's ever known. She's so much more than what she has. There's yeah. so many other qualities, her little person. That's not her cystic fibrosis. So she needs to understand that God has allowed this to be in her life, but she's, she is who she is. She's Olivia. She's not Olivia with CF. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love how you have said that she's more than her fibrosis or she's more than her challenges. Like the plan that God has for her isn't just that it's deeper and wider and broader. I think that's beautiful. And so then you have a beautiful young daughter with special needs. And then as many families do, you think about, do we want to have more kids. And then we know that families think about this because everybody in the grocery store asks you, you know, are you going to try for a boy? You know, in our case, are you going to try to get a girl? You know, (laughs) everybody. It's like, it's not your business people, (laughs) but just keep it to yourself. But people, I think love kids and love family and they mean well. And so people are asking you, you're going to have more kids. You know, how was that decision process for you guys as you thought about more children? Um, When Luke and I first saw Olivia, it was kind of out of the question of thinking that we were going to have any more. It was a lot in the beginning with going to multiple doctor's appointments, um, just trying to maintain her health. And even though she was and is pretty healthy overall, it's a lot of work. And um, I I just wasn't sure if I wanted to go through with that. And Luke was basically on the same page. But as Olivia got older and I was getting in the routine of things, I was like, this is manageable. Like, we can do this. Um, God just started putting it on my heart that, I think we need to start thinking about having at least one more, even though we knew that there could be a, you know, with the next child, a risk of having a child with CF that was there. Um, it just, it was heavy. God definitely put it there. And um, yeah, I think anybody that has a kid, there's some level of risk. And then to know that there's a risk like you guys did, I think that changes yeah. the equation. It does. Know? Definitely. 
and it laid heavy on my heart and Luke's heart in different ways, and we talked about it, and he was not feeling like we should have any more. And I got that, and I understood where he was coming from, but I still felt like God was putting that on my heart, and we had a lot of discussions about it, and a lot of tears. I cried a lot because I just really felt strongly about it, but there was a point where I felt like, okay, I just need to let it go because I'm pushing, but I'm going to push him way over on the other side. And that's not fair to him. It's not fair to me. And I just felt like I needed to let God do his job because I was trying to step in and take care of something. And I wasn't allowing God to work in his heart. Yeah. I read a marriage book one time that talks about how a spouse can appropriate the work of the Holy Spirit in their life to try to tell them the right decision. Surely I know better. But you're telling me a little bit of space and just prayer and letting God do his work, that was the the better plan. Yeah, definitely. I took a step back and waited a couple months and just kept praying over it. And um, God is just so good. I had been seeing, we'd both been seeing a counselor through this time. And I had gone, it just kind of worked out where Luke and I were supposed to go together. And I ended up going by myself. Luke couldn't make it because of work. And the counselor was just saying, I think it's time for you to bring this up with Luke. I think it's you've given him enough time. I think it's time to bring it up. And so I prayed about it, and I went home. And Luke, before I even got a chance to say anything, Luke was like, I wanted to talk with you about something. He said, over the last month, the Holy Spirit has just been working on my heart, and I think it's time for us to try to have another kid. And that just blessed my heart in more words than I can even express because I could see that God had been working in his life and I didn't see it right then or before I didn't see it before but when he told me that it was like God you are just so good and it wasn't just because I was right and I got what I wanted (laughs) that might have been you know three percent five (laughs) percent but ultimately it was because I hadn't forced him into the decision. Mm-hmm. I hadn't pushed him into it. I was able to take a step back and let God do what he needed to do in yeah. Luke's heart. And as you said, like you felt like the Lord had led you to want to have more kids. Yeah. And so it wasn't even really what you wanted, but it was what you felt God wanted for your family. And Definitely. so to come together with a unified vision about where the Lord wants you to go is such a peaceful thing, really regardless of what the vision was. Yeah. But there's still the chance that something could happen. So what was that like to try to have a kid in those conditions? <sighs> It, I was so excited about getting pregnant for the second time. I There was a part of me that was worried I would go through these up and down roller coasters of emotions of being excited about having another one um, and then not being excited about what could happen. And then obviously we found out that we were having twins. So then it was like, twins. oh, <laughs> what is that going to look like now for us? My dad always said that he wanted twins, and then now that I have kids, I'm like, what were you, what were you thinking? Like, <laughs> one is enough, you know? And then now you have twins, and you have, so you have the special needs oldest one, and then you have twins on the way. And so right. what was that like to be like, all right, we signed up for this. Did, like, Luke regret having his heart changed? Did you regret praying for kids? <laughs> <laughs> I think there was a moment when I told him, because he didn't come with me to the appointment of the, ultra, the very first ultrasound, and... Uh, he was like, what's wrong? I think he thought the worst when I called him, which is totally understandable. And I told him that we were having twins. And he was like, what? Like, what? Like, how did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think it was a little bit 
Um, yeah, he was definitely in shock, but uh, <laughs> it was good. I mean, I think I think I was more excited than he was because, like I said, I was excited about being pregnant and having another kid, and so I was just like, well, we'll just figure it out when it comes. And I think he was thinking, how are we going to be able to afford having? Yeah, that's a dad. That's a dad thing. How do we pay for all this? Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. good. Like, you want to be responsible. You want to lead your family well, and yeah. like, you can't afford kids anyway. And like, we can't. No. Nobody can afford anything. We make it happen. Just win the lottery. It's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you know, in there for your prenatal care. You have ultrasounds. Is there a prenatal test for cystic fibrosis that can be done? Definitely. Um, we definitely had the option of seeing if one of the twins had CF or both of them or neither of them. But we were at the point where we're like. We don't care. Like, we know that this is what we wanted. We decided that we were going to have kids, and whatever God gives us is what he gives us. And we just completely trusted in him through that. And it was a little scary not knowing, um, because obviously anything could happen. But we were sure that God was going to provide, and he was going to give us what we needed when the situation arose. All right, so nine months down the road, you found out. (laughs) Yeah, that was, it It was kind of weird because we were both looking for these signs of what we saw previously to Olivia, and neither of the girls had the signs of what she had. Um, and we just kind of relied on genetic, the blood work that they do through the hospital. And I think we had to wait two weeks, which was a long time to wait to find out. And then we got the news that one of the twins has CF. Um but then the blessing to that was our other daughter um, doesn't have CF at all. And they even say that it's a 50% chance that the other sibling could be a carrier. She's not even a carrier. Oh, wow. So if she marries someone that's a carrier or even someone with CF, she won't ever have to worry about having kids with CF. So that's amazing, I think, just that one twin can have a condition on the other twin. Yeah cannot have a condition, not even a sibling. So what was that like to find out that you have one, but not one? I know this is going to sound weird, but part of me was kind of happy that I had a child with CF. It's a trip. I know that sounds kind of crazy. Um, it broke my heart at first. I was saddened because I knew what it was going to be like and how hard it was going to be. But on the other side of that, I knew that God plans everything for a reason. And I knew that the relationship between Olivia and this other child, God was going to do something special. And he already has. I mean, six and three, even though they're young, they already have a very unique special bond and a special relationship. And God knows that. You know, he plans that all out before they were even born. And to have the personalities and the relationships and who they are as little people before they're even born and then to have them here and to watch that grow that's something very special and unique yeah not everybody not everybody gets that that's no. amazing so that you know you, so now you're not only doing a breathing treatment at 620 slinging some honey bunches of oats getting a kid <laughs> to school by eight you have more breathing treatments and more work and more twins how how have people come around you to help like you guys can't do that on your own like what's been the role of like a church community or your family coming alongside and helping with that kind of thing yeah uh god is just so good in how he he knows exactly what you need and when you need it and 
Um, when we moved to Castor Valley, we moved because we needed a bigger house and we just couldn't afford to live over in the peninsula. And, you know, we came over here when I was pregnant with Olivia, not knowing what she was going to have or what we would need. We moved literally five minutes away from his parents and just how his parents have just shown up and helped us with stuff. And my parents, they live out of town, but they come in and, um, They'll help with the girls' breathing treatments. They'll help take care of the girls, you know, anything that we've needed help with. And on top of that, just having both parents, sets of parents being believers, that's a huge support right there. I mean, even not, even having them not physically do stuff, just knowing that they're praying and just being there for us um, emotionally and spiritually, that's the biggest blessing you can have or even to ask for when you're going through trials and hardships. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, what if someone's listening and they've got their own challenges, whether it be with a child with medical needs or some sort of special care or something, decision process in their marriage that they are going through, kind of like you were saying, you were on one page with more kids that their husband wasn't, you know. That can happen a lot. Things with like a career or a move or, you know, we all are trying to seek God where, at, on the path that he has led us. If you're going to encourage a listener like that, today and maybe give them a scripture or some prayer steps that you took that were really helpful? What were some things that you did that you really felt helped you lean into the Lord during this time? Um, I was thinking about one of the verses that I really think that I looked to when I was going through stuff, and it was 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and 10, and my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And it was just such a good reminder for me that I can't do this on my own. I can't physically manage. I mean, I, you can do it, sure, but you're falling apart constantly. Yeah. And I think when you recognize that God wants to be there for you, God wants to walk alongside of you through everything that you're going, for, uh, going through, and he gets it. He knows. Yeah. And I think you just have to recognize that you're weak and he is strong and um you just need to be able to depend upon him through all those things that you're struggling with and I that was the biggest thing for me was realizing that I need to depend upon God to get through stuff otherwise I'm not going to be able to make it did you feel weak in that same way before you had kids and had all these challenges or was these challenges useful and almost exposing some of that need that you had always had. Yeah, I I definitely feel like going through what I've been through has made me realize how insufficient I am, how I am not in control of my life. I cannot make the choice of what is going to happen to my kids. Only God knows that. And when I take myself out of the equation and really just surrender myself to God daily. It doesn't necessarily mean that my day is going to be fabulous. My day could start off awful. Like there have been times where I've woken up in the morning and had a great devotion time. And then two minutes later, my twins are having temper tantrums. Somebody's gone to the bathroom on the floor. I just like craziness. It's just like, how (laughs) did this even happen? Here I was having an amazing devotional time and my day is already what I would think is a mess. But in those moments, like, you just have to say, like, God is good, and he loves me, and he's 
in, he's in this with me. Yeah. And I think knowing that and having that makes my day just go so much better. Yeah. The scriptures tell us that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And I think it wasn't really until I became brokenhearted about some things that I understood the real truth of that verse. And I hear that coming, coming out what you're talking about until I was really broken. I didn't see God's nearness, but you know, he's, he's there. Yeah. He wants a, a relationship. Okay. So maybe one thing I'd like to ask you about as we kind of close is like, so we've talked a lot about how you're in it, you're doing treatments and the nitty gritty. What about 40 years from now? Do you think about that? Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about that? <laughs> yeah, no, we can, because that's a big, I think it's harder for me. I think it's harder because I'm in it every day with my kids. I mean, Luke, I think, sometimes jumps over to that place, but he's not with the kids during the whole day. I mean, he's with them in the mornings and in the evenings, but because I see it, because I'm the one doing the doctor's appointments and their breathing treatments, I think about it a lot more because it's it's staring me in the face. And so, yeah, it is. It's scary to know that they might not live till the end of this year. I don't know. I mean, and you could say that about any family member. You have no idea what's what God's going to do. Um, but in my case, obviously, because there's no cure and there's a shorter life expectancy, I have a tendency of jumping in that arena. But uh, it's one of those things that you just have to trust that God knows better than you do. And you have to remind yourself, even though I know it would be excruciatingly hard if he decided to take one of the girls or for some reason, all three of them. Um, it's just that he knows. And, and same with them having CF. It's like, I wouldn't ever ask for this in my life but I know the good that's come out of it and just how beautiful God is and how he's shown up in our lives. For that reason, I'm so incredibly thankful for what he's given us. I wouldn't ever ask him to take it away because he's good and he's perfect. And because of that, I'm not going to challenge. I'm not going to challenge him in that. How can I? Because he's God, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think we want to challenge God. And I think sometimes that's even okay. You know, you read in the Psalms, things like David, just like, just mad, you know? And I like that because uh, sometimes you're mad, you know, and I see you getting emotional thinking about your girls right now. And today you're in kind of a place of peace and processing. And then maybe tomorrow you've got more food on the floor and you're asking (laughs) God again, why? And I think that's okay. I think that journey of ups and downs kind of leading us back to faith in him is a really good and a really beautiful one. You know, we've talked a lot about the day-to-day grind that you guys have gone through and now a little bit kind of a future looking thing. And you even had a situation last year, didn't you? Where you thought, what are we going to do? You know, you want to talk a little bit about uh, a little bit about that? Luke's job. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and who cares about his job? We care about his insurance, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't care really what he does. No, just kidding. Um, yeah. So The funny thing about Luke's job was that he had to commute over to San Mateo and he's, he was in that job since I think he got it shortly after Olivia was born. 
And so that was hard because he was getting home later and... Um, yeah, for our listeners not in the Bay Area, from Castro Valley to San Mateo is probably an hour-plus commute each way, if you're lucky, because there's yeah. the bridge and the traffic and all of that. So you're leaving home at, you know, 6, 6.30, you're getting home at 7, 8 at night. Right, you know? exactly. unfortunately fairly normal for our area, um, yeah. which, like, why do we, whatever, it's great, just look at the water, just get the 70-degree <laughs> weather, just pretend it's fine. So he's commuting to San Mateo, and uh, yeah. that's going great. It's, it was rough, <laughs> and um, but it was a good job. We had great health insurance, and um, they treated him pretty well overall. And then just a few months ago, back in March, unexpectedly, they re- were restructuring his whole department, and they just basically said, we no longer need your position, and just let him go without any warning. And that day, we lost our health insurance, and it was... It was devastating. I felt like I was not prepared for that. I wasn't. Yeah. How, wasn't I mean, how can you be prepared for yeah. that kind of thing? You can't. <laughs> I, I just, I didn't know how to react. I wanted to cry. I wanted, I wanted to be upset. Um, you know, I try to be a very supporting wife, even though I didn't like his commute. I knew he was doing what he needed to do to provide for our family. And that was what was important. Yeah. And even though I was praying that he would get another job. I didn't want it in that yeah, way. <laughs> another another backfire in the Dean family yeah, prayer life. <laughs> didn't ask for that. But God is good and he showed up um again in such an amazing way because Luke didn't have a job for about a month and a half and it was it was hard, yes. But overall, like I said, God was good and all the time that Luke had, you know, missed out with the girls, he kind of made up for it by being able to be home with them. And yeah, like a six-week vacation. Yeah, that's great. I don't think he thought of it as vacation. No, he did. Easy for me to say, right? Yeah, but it was good. I mean, I think that was a blessing that we just had time together as a family before he found another job, and then God opened up a door for him to work closer to home, and he's home at five five thirty, which is. Amazing. amazing. It's, I don't get home at 5, five it's, <laughs> That's great. It's a blessing. It's a huge, for me, just to have that support at home. Um, even just doing breathing treatments, trying to do breathing treatments, get dinner together, trying to wrangle the kids. Yeah. I mean, all of that takes time and energy. And to have another body there at home, it helps. Yeah. I'm sure the girls love seeing him. They before do. Before bed. I think that's the sure best you, part. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure he loves seeing the girls before bed. Yeah, It's not he just does. about the work that he does, right? Right. But the, the life that is brought to the home. It's yeah. amazing. Man. So, Natalie, I so much appreciate you sharing a little bit of your story with us and some of the things God has brought you through. I know that that's not always easy to share some of these private things. And so I really appreciate that, the way you've been transparent. And I think it's been really helpful for people that might be going through a silent struggle and they think, mm-hmm. does God see me? Why me? And why this? And I've lost my job and I have these needs and I have these bills. I've just been so encouraged to hear that God it has been good in your life, that his power has been made perfect in your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And, man, I feel encouraged. I'm over here. Natalie can see me. You guys can't see me, but I'm, I've been crying like most of the time, and that's, that's good because I think these things really matter. God is real, and he's moving, and he is with us. 
And so for anybody out there that's listening and you feel brokenhearted and you feel lost and you feel, where is God in all of this? Just take heart. He is near to the brokenhearted. His power is made perfect in your weakness. It's nothing Natalie did right that you're not doing right. Just lean into the Lord and he'll be there for you. If you have any prayer requests or prayer needs or anything you'd like to connect with us here at Three Crosses, please feel free to reach out. I'm going to do a little commercial at the end and give you some ways to, to do that and to connect us up here because we believe that God wants to be with you and he wants to change your life and he has a good plan for you, even if it's a very difficult plan. He is good. His mercy endures forever. Natalie, mm-hmm. thanks so much. Now you really are famous at Three Crosses. You're going to have so many fans. You're going to have people with signs out in the street, like welcoming you to church, <laughs> judging you when you don't show up on time, but remembering to be gracious because like, hello, they had a breathing treatment at 620. So man, thank you so much for your time. It's been so fun and powerful and I appreciate your story. You have a lot to give and thank you for giving up with us. Thank you. Way back at the beginning of the podcast, I was asking myself the question, what would it look like to love the Lord when I didn't have any strength left? And man, Natalie just answered that with such grace and kindness and certainty, yet mystery and uncertainty. The Dean family still has a long road ahead of them, as we all do, as we follow Jesus Christ. And so I encourage you, if you see Natalie or Luke around the church, to let them know that you're praying for them and that you might actually be praying for them, not just saying that or lending a hand of support. Or if there's someone, uh, perhaps a single mom or a family going through hard times here at the church that you know about, maybe the Lord is asking you to step in and provide some of your strength into their family's home as well. Give them a lift as they seek to follow Jesus Christ. I often say that following Jesus is hard enough. Don't do it alone. You can't do it alone. Lean into the body of Christ. I think our church family here at Three Crosses is a great way to do that. And if you've not yet connected with us in some form of community, perhaps now's the time to do so. You can just send me an email, buzz at threecrosses.org, and let me know a little bit about your situation and how I might be able to help you get connected, whether that's with somebody to pray for you or a group to journey alongside on Sundays or a small group that you can meet at that can really know you and love you and pray for you and care for you in the way that we all need. And you can care for one another. Um, It's not just about receiving help, but those of us, sometimes we have more to give than we give ourselves credit for. Are you stepping up to the plate and providing your strength into situations that really need it? That's part of the beauty of the body. The strong help care for the weak, the weak help care for the weak, and the Lord gives us grace to do all of it. I hope that today's episode was a blessing for you as it was for me. Once again, thanks to Natalie and Luke and the whole Dean family and To you that have been listening, what an encouragement it is to join with you as we seek to follow Jesus Christ together. You are a blessing to me, and I pray for you often. 